All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. Yes, I don't do a daily episode just when I have something to talk about. And here I do have something that I want to be able to talk about here. And that is, well, more about the you know riots that are going on, but also about the Spygate hearings. And so we'll start off here a little bit light as... Well, we wait uh, for some people to catch the live stream and come on. Now, I do want to say something here uh, regarding Antifa. Where are you at? Where are you at? You said you were coming for Royal America, right? That you were coming for us. That you were going to come and invade us. And we've been waiting. Where are you at? Huh? I mean, come on. We, we've, we stocked up waiting for you to come. We've been waiting for you to show up so that we could just wipe you out completely. I mean, come on, you you issued the challenge. So where are you at? Ah, chances are they tucked tail and ran after they did an analysis here. So let me explain here why Antifa's threat to rule America uh, was met with laughter and excitement uh, for you know by rule America. Uh, so you understand that rural America is the most populous gun-owned part of the country, right? We've had guns handed down from parent to child for generation. And here's a newsflash. Uh, some of the guns that have been, you know, outlawed, you know, uh, well, because of the exemptions of them having been previously owned, yeah, there are still automatic weapons um, that are available. You know, f- you know some of them, yes, because they've been passed down through generations from parent to child. But let's also take a look at why Antifa's threat to come for rural America was met with laughter, uh, other than how heavily armed we are. Do you understand the terrain that you would be coming for? All right, so you're talking about not only people who have, you know, the most guns. Oh, oh, wait, uh, Nolan uh, Richardson. Uh, hopefully that shows up right. Hey, welcome. Thank you for watching. So let me uh, try and explain a little bit here about why that is, you know, so hilarious. So not only is it just because the amount of guns that rural America has that had them laughing at Antifa's threat, But look at the terrain. You're talking about heavily armed people that will spend an entire day in a tree, right? Dressed in camouflage just because they want to bag a deer for some jerky, right? You understand how many structures are out there, you know, in rural America that are camouflaged to blend in with the natural surroundings in order to get some ducks? So you're going to go into a heavily armed area with people who have camouflage up in trees and in hidden structures throughout the land, and you're going to come and invade them? (laughs) You won't even see what happens to you. You won't even see it coming when you get taken out. And this is part of the amazing thing. And lastly, you understand they would never find you. Right, you you understand that, you know Antifa. They would never find you. Why? Do you know how fast you know uh, uh you know um pigs and hogs would devour you? You would come to Royal America and you would disappear. You would end up on that old show, Unsolved Mysteries. Right. You wouldn't even see us. You would have to check all the trees, to which there are plenty of. You would have to try and distinguish between structures, camouflage to blend in with the scenery, and we have an efficient way to dispose of you if you were to come for us. So, you know, Royal America was laughing at you, saying, try it, try it. And we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen anything. We, we got excited because Antifa would have just whoop, disappeared and disappeared without a trace. You know, so it's like, come on. You know, yeah, you're trying to, ooh, we're tough. And, you know, issuing a threat and then you're a no-show. Uh, 
I mean, did you really think it out? I mean, it would be hard enough for the military to come through and do a ground assault on rural America due to all of the hidden structures. And I mean, I can go down to the local sporting shop store and I can buy a tree stand, go 30, go 30 feet up into a tree hiding in camouflage with what, uh, handgun, rifle, shotgun, ARs, and everything else that has been passed down from parent to child. Jeepers. I mean, you know, we've been waiting for you. Where are you at? Okay. Okay. So, yes, uh, let's see here. Got uh, quite a bit of interaction uh, on here uh, for Twitch. And, you know, uh, see here, Antifa is just flat, blue-haired snowflakes. Yeah, they like to talk tough. And, by the way, Antifa, you're dressed from head to toe. You know, we're, we wouldn't even bother to check what your skin color is. You come for us threatening our family, our property, we'll shoot, we would shoot first to defend ourselves. And we wouldn't even bother checking the skin color underneath the clothing. You just, you know, you just threatened us. So, yeah, we'll, we'll put you down, you know, if you actually tried. Okay. Okay, so now let's go in and take a look at this, you know, everything that is going on. I mean, we've talked about how the riots and all that really have nothing to do with George Floyd and what happened to him, uh, how it doesn't make sense, you know, that there are protesters and then there are rioters. We've asked, you know, what is the justice that they are seeking when the officers have already been fired, arrested, and charged with murder? You know, so was that, you know, skip trials uh, whenever there's an angry mob for people to uh, publicly torture and execute? You know, we've gone through and we've asked how, you know, uh, TVs from, you know, Target and Walmart equate to justice and all of that, you know, and how really what we have here when it comes to what's going on is we have actual protesters. And then we have criminals, rioters, and looters. And I wonder how many people uh, involved in the arson and the looting and the vandalism were people that the Democrats had released from jails and prisons uh, with the excuse of COVID-19. But when we go through and we analyze the areas that are being targeted, you know, um, Asian is COVID-19 Okay, somebody uh, Asian is COVID-19 real? I mean, yeah, COVID-19 is real, but as far as uh, how serious of a threat it is, um, is kind of dependent. I'm trying to, you know, be able to interact uh, with, uh, you know, uh, chat here, you know, and going through. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that has gone on with COVID-19. But the point of this broadcast, so we don't get sidetracked, is not about COVID-19. All right? So... In any event, when we go through and we analyze this, what do we see here? We see that the rioters, you know, have gone through and they've killed more black people uh, than those four police officers did, right? And the Democrats are celebrating the rioters and, you know, saying that these are heroes trying to fight for justice. And it's like, well, who's going to get justice uh, for the black people who have been killed? We have officers hundreds of miles away, you know, in different states from what, from where what happened to George Floyd happened. And they're just being randomly attacked, killed, assassinated. You know, what is, what kind of justice is that? That's not justice. But we see that more black people have been killed by the rioters and we're asking, well, where's the justice for them? While the Democrats are celebrating it. And I will reveal what the big con is uh, at the end, you know, and why the Democrats and the media are trying to conflate the rioters uh, with the protesters, right? Now, we also see that, you know, the areas, you know, we have uh, minority-owned businesses being looted and burnt down. You know, we see people's homes being burnt down. In the last stream that I did, I showed, uh, you know, an article where people were setting fires to homes that still had kids in them. We see that, you know, the black communities, their, their entire neighborhoods are being burnt down, vandalized, completely destroyed. 
you know, their life's, you know, uh, work gone, their ability to provide for their families, you know, being decimated uh, by all these rioters. And the Democrats, they're cheering it on. The Democrats, they're out there, you know, right now celebrating the complete and total destruction of minority communities. You know, all of this that is setting minority communities and all the gains that they have made are being set back by these rioters. And the Democrats are celebrating it. Why? Because the Democrats have been an impressive party that has been attacking minority communities for over 200 years. The only thing that's changed is how they market it. So now, instead of marketing the destruction of minority communities and the death of minorities as, you know, uh, based off of racial superiority, now they, you know, do the exact same actions and call it social justice. Right, they they do the exact same actions that they did back in the days when the Democrat-led Ku Klux Klan. They're doing the exact same things. They just market it as we're helping them rather than actively trying to destroy them. I mean, it's just like you know, um, you know, Hitler tried genocide, right? And you know, we well, we condemned it. We we uh, went out there and you know, forcefully, you know, uh, shut that down, right, through World War II. But now the Democrats come out, and they do it, and they, uh, and they start engaging in genocide, but they call it reproductive rights, and then it's celebrated. I mean, I'm sure Hitler would love to have had the marketing ability of today's Democrats, where they do the same atrocities, they just give it a different marketing plan. And that's how they go through and they get away with it. Now, here's where the big con will come in, and that is 2022. When the same Democrats are, who are out there celebrating the complete destruction and annihilation of minority neighborhoods, ruining the lives and livelihoods of minorities, the same Democrats are celebrating the rioters who have killed more minorities are going to come back in in 2022, point at the buildings that they celebrated being burnt down, and they're going to go, this is the result of the systemic failures of capitalism. This is the result of oppression of your tax dollars not going to affluent you know, uh, neighborhoods and the system of oppression and neglecting you. So, they get to be celebrated or cheered as standing up for minorities, burning down minority neighborhoods, and then they get to come back in the next election cycle and claim that the neighborhoods they burnt down was uh, is the result of capitalism and an unfair system that neglects them. Right? And that's part of the con. And what's going to happen is a lot of people in those neighborhoods are just going to go along with, with that. You know, one, because they don't want to admit to themselves what they allowed to have uh, happen in their neighborhoods, but also because they'll be too afraid to speak up because they know that there's a lot of people around them that are trained to violently attack and assault anybody who dare speaks up and points out any actual facts or information. You know, we've seen this where if um, minorities stand up and go, no, no, this is wrong. What the Democrats have done is wrong. Then everybody in the media, you know, all the limousine Democrats and all of the, you know, Antifa thugs come out and declare, well, you're not black enough. You're not Hispanic enough. You know, you're, you, you don't count. And then we'll viciously attack them. You know, which by the way, you know, isn't it interesting that the left always comes up with paramilitary organizations, whether it was the KKK or now Antifa? You know, their, their whole th- issue here is that they're, well, they just use violence for everything, which is the very definition of terrorism. Yes, Antifa is a terrorist organization. The KKK is a terrorist organization. By definition, the use of violence for uh, political motivations is the definition of terrorism. All right, let's see here. What do you think about 
agent uh, provocateurs. Uh, could you please clarify that question? You know, what do you mean by agent provocateurs? Agents of what? All right. Uh, if you could please clarify that, that would be uh, nice and interesting. So, yes, uh, what we have witnessed here is the destruction. And what I'm, and I showed these uh, pictures on the last stream, but I think it's worth bringing it up. You know, so we got, you know, vehicles on fire. We have an Arby's on fire. And by the way, these are jobs that probably won't come back to those neighborhoods. Yeah, they may come back uh, to the cities, but they're probably going to relocate to the parts of the cities that, you know, may have been left untouched. Because why would they set back up in an area where they're likely to be burnt down, which is only going to leave, you know, um, less jobs. And plus, the small business owners, you know, which, by the way, Arby's, just like McDonald's and Burger King and all of that as a franchise. It's owned by a small business owner who pays a licensing fee uh, to the corporation for the rights to the names and the recipes. All right. And this. So why would any of these you know, businesses, you know, come back? And for a lot of these businesses, you know, who are owned by small business owners, they don't have the money to bring the jobs back. You know, this is a complete destruction. And if we take a look at other areas from past riots, how long it took them to be able to recover. And we already know what the 2022 narrative is. They're going to use all of this to try and claim it's a failure of capitalism, which, you know, I, I do want to point out here. You notice that with all the fires, the black smoke, and all the paint and tar and all that, no one on the left is talking about the environmental impact that that is having and its effect on climate change. I mean, they're not condemning anybody for it. I mean, you know, just kind of a bit of a side note uh, on that. Uh, let's see here. Like people, uh, the cops send in uh, to stir up trouble so they can move in on the protest. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean we're I yeah, we're talking about people like Antifa uh who have gone in and infiltrated uh the protests uh to turn them violent. Um yeah, I, I, I believe I alluded to that, where there's a difference between actual protesters and then the terrorist thugs that are looting and committing arson. You know, but there are also people online that are just doing everything they can to agitate, or they use manipulated photos, or they put out deliberately false and misleading, you know, um, you know, comparisons. Like I seen one where, you know, they're showing a picture of, you know, right wing uh, protesters standing at the Capitol and yeah, they had guns. And then, you know, saying that Trump supported this. And then they show, you know, um, you know, moments of earlier in the day uh, before the protests got violent and go, but Trump condemns this. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, uh, the people, you know, at the courthouse protesting, yeah, they had guns, but, you know, they're exercising both their First and Second Amendment rights. No one got injured. No one got killed. No property was damaged. Nothing was set on fire. And then what Trump is condemning is uh, this that you're trying to claim is a peaceful protest. There's quite a difference uh, between the two, don't you think? Between a protest in which no violence, nobody gets harmed, no damages, no fires, and a protest in which people are getting killed, property is being uh, you know, uh, burnt down, Houses are being burnt down while before they even bother checking to see if the kids are out. I mean, there's quite a bit of a difference, but they're trying to ignore all of the violence and all of that and trying to say, oh, this is somehow peaceful. You know, but, you know, I, I do want to give credit where credit is due that there are protesters uh, out there now that are now taking out the violent agitators. And when I say taking out is, 
Uh, I wish I would have saved the video, but there's a video out there where uh, some Antifa thug is, you know, trying to smash up the sidewalk in order to get rocks to throw at the police. And the uh, peaceful protesters uh, swarmed him and handed him over to the cops. Right. So, again, you have to uh, keep dropping my pen. You have to separate out the actual protesters who I support, by the way. You know, if you're out there peacefully protesting and you're advocating that, hey, maybe we take a look at what happened with, you know, this situation and other instances of, you know, police abuse. You know, um, there was an instance, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, down in Texas, you know, that was almost exactly the same. You know, a person, you know, a suspect was pinned down by the police. The police had him handcuffed behind his back, zip tied his legs, and but went even further and injected him with a sedative. Had, you know, the ambulance come through and inject him uh, with a sedative while he had both knees on the guy's back. And so here it was. We had a situation where a guy was on his stomach, handcuffed behind his back, legs zip-tied and injected with a sedative while he was being suffocated to death by the police officer. And there wasn't a peep from the media whatsoever. Why? Because both the perpetrator and the victim was white. And that's another issue here is... We see a lot of people trying to hijack this and trying to claim that this had to do with race and that this was racial issue or that, you know, the few police officers that do engage in police brutality, you know, is somehow only targeted towards minorities, people of color, black people. And the facts, the evidence, you know, debunks that, that this is an issue that you know, your, your skin color doesn't actually matter or play a part in this. Everybody of every skin color has suffered from uh, a police officer who, you know, made up of all skin colors, right? This isn't just an issue that targets, you know, uh, black people. Now, saying that, I do also want to clarify that when we talk about bad police officers, right? We're talking about a small fraction, you know, less than 1%, you know, and yet all police officers get, you know, this broad brush. And people go, well, why does this keep happening? You know, what are, you know, the solutions? Now, we already know what the solution is. In fact, the solution is rather quite simple, but we always get distracted from looking at the problem and the solution because of agitators that just want to score political points and incite violence. So when we take a look at instances uh, where there was a legitimate, uh, you know, uh, police brutality, not a lot of the fake instances that the media has come up with, like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, you know, in which the facts completely debunk their narrative of, you know, police brutality. You know, or, you know, black, or that the, you know, suspect are, you know, was innocent, you know, excuse me, but if a police officer has a fractured eye socket, chances are, you know, that wasn't exactly uh, peaceful surrendering. You know, something tells me he was in quite a bit of a fight. Uh, but in any event, you know, and we can go through the autopsy report, the forensics, and all of that, but. You know, that kind of goes off uh, a bit besides the point. But when we take a look at legitimate, you know, police brutality, it's not like, you know, these police officers had spotless records and nobody saw it coming. The issue was, you know, they couldn't get rid of them because of the unions. And this is one of those things where we recognize why unions are bad because they make it impossible to get rid of bad people, whether that's bad employees in the private sector or, or in public sector, uh, sector or, you know, bad police officers. You know, it's almost impossible to fire them before it gets to this stage of uh, brutality because of the police union. So if you got rid of the police unions and made it easy to fire bad cops, 
we would have even lower instances of this. Now, when I go through and I say bad cops, we may be talking about what? One out of 2,000 uh, cops may be bad. Now, you're not going to get 100% you know, uh, perfection here. You know, and let's see here the comment. I don't think intelligent people think police brutality only targets one race. I think it deals uh, with the uh, proportions. And, and, well, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of people on the left that actually do believe that it has to do with race, and that's because they're in a cycle of fake news where they only get to see police brutality when it's white cop, black uh, suspect, right? And all of the other scenarios of all the other colors uh, of cops and all the other colors of victims are hidden from them, blocked, and so they just don't know, you know, um, you know, that it is just multiracial because information is hidden and restricted. And this is also why, you know, online censorship is so damning, so bad, is because people are only getting uh, a fraction of what's actually happening, and that fraction is to promote a narrative that isn't actually true. And so when we go through and we take a look at this, maybe one out of every 2,000 cops ends up bad, right? We're not going to get perfection. You know, people are flawed. People, you know, will make mistakes, bad judgment calls, have bad day, have, you know, um, have something go on psychologically or, you know, something, you know, and maybe, you know, these are police officers who have, you know, uh, lived in areas and were police officers during past riots when they saw their neighborhoods, um, you know, become virtual war zones, which also gets into the whole, you know, whether it's online, whether it's outside agitators or really members of the community. I mean, think about this, you know, being a police officer in a community capable of this, you know, who knows what goes on in their day. So, you know, none of that is to try and make a justification you know, for what happened to George Floyd because there is no justification. What I'm saying is that because of this, you're not going to get 100%, you know, every officer is, you know, flawlessly uh, good people. You know, and they may start off as, you know, really good people with good intentions, and then over time, the job wears them down, and and then they become bad cops. You know, I mean, there's a whole lot of things, you know, uh, that go on there. And so anything made up of human, you're not going to get, you know, uh, 100% perfection, no bad person anywhere within the organization. And to try and paint, you know, broadly all the other police officers who now are seeing that cops, you know, across the country are being stabbed, shot, assassinated for, you know, for something that they had no involvement with. You know, so what is that going to do? That's going to, you know, take more police officers, you know, um, who will have a heightened, you know, um, sense of fear policing communities. Communities that right now look like active war zones, too. You know, I mean, it's just a complete cycle here. And some people trying to compare police officers to customer service reps. Like, oh, yes, you know, being a police officer face-to-face with a criminal, violently assaulting you uh, who may or may not be armed as anywhere related to being a customer service rep on a phone a couple hundred miles away from the angry person. Really? Think about that. You know, and so... You know, you you get the cycle, but if we could get rid of uh, police unions, then it would make it easier to get rid of uh, cops when they show signs that they are going bad and, you know, starting to, you know, be problems, right? Now, we could take a look at other, 
you know, uh, reforms. I mean, it's always a good idea to debate ideas uh, on how to improve something. Because if we know that we have a situation in which there's no way to get 100% perfection, well, then we got what, you know, what the private sector might call Six Sigma, you know, which is, you know, a process by which to improve quality and reduce errors. I mean, they're always looking for ways to improve a process and, you know, um, remove, eliminate, or reduce defects. And we should be open, you know, to ideas. Now, does that mean all ideas are good or valid? I mean, you're, you got some people saying, well, they should shoot them in the leg. Do you know how incredibly difficult? I mean, do you know, you know, that how, you know, how unlikely it is that someone moving around a lot, you're going to be able to get them in the leg? Now, you know, if we want to try and promote that idea of maybe they should try and go for the legs, then we need to start equipping all police officer guns with laser scopes, you know, to kind of help out with the aiming for the legs, you know, um, with that. But even by the time they pulled the, they got the um, target, they pulled the trigger and all that, the, the suspects already moved and they can completely miss. And if they're on pavement, you know, what's the chances of casualties from the ricochet? I, I mean, we could try and go through and, you know, debate things uh, and such. You know, should we add more options for non-lethal weapons? And, you know, um, always, yes, you know, continuously uh, training police officers, you know, would be good. I mean, we can debate ideas as long as there's, as long as both sides are willing to debate. But when you have one side who is committed to debating, and the other side just violence burn everything down, we're not going to get to the solution. So I support those who are out there peacefully trying to advocate for the idea that we need to look at, you know, more ways to try and improve, you know, policing and police training and reducing, you know, um, you know, innocent people you know, um, dying at the hands of uh, some bad police officers. Yeah, I support that. We should always be looking for ways to improve everything. I mean, I don't get where the disagreement would, uh, of that would be. But I completely disagree with the anarchists, you know. And I hope, um, you know, that a lot of you would be able to, you know, agree you know, with these sediments. I mean, if you don't, you know, let me know. All right, so let me go ahead and check some of the comments here. Let's see here. I mean, uh, the numbers exist, so one can look at the proportional numbers. Uh, like people, uh, the, the cops send in uh, to stir so they can move on and move in on the protesters. Uh, that the cops send in. Now, um, if you can provide me uh, any evidence that the cops are sending in uh, people to, you know, cause agitation and stir up trouble so that they can move in, I would like to see that. I mean, I, I've seen some people trying to use, you know, uh, manipulate uh, pictures and videos in order to create something that isn't there. Like I saw one video where they were, supposedly saying that the police officers were destroying their own vehicles to blame it on the protesters. Now, of course, they didn't show, you know, uh, the, you know, the vehicle uh, when it was uh, first being damaged. But an analysis of, of that video actually revealed a different story than the cops destroying their own vehicles. What we saw was uh, a damaged, you know, uh, police, off, uh, police cruiser. And we know that because of the violence, the arson, and all of that going in the area, it's not like they could call in a tow truck to tow away the vehicle. And so what it looked like uh, the officers were doing was trying to um, you know, take a windshield that was badly damaged you know, and you could not you know, see through in order to drive the police cruiser out of there. It looked like what they were trying to do was remove the, you know, cracked and fractured glass 
uh, enough that they would be, uh, you know, uh, so that they could see and drive the cruiser uh, out of there because no tow truck was going to come for it. And they can't leave uh, a squad car, you know, uh, abandoned with a bunch of looters. Who knows what was all in that uh, vehicle? And there was no other vehicle to come around to for them to uh, take out all the police equipment, spare guns, ammos, and load it up to and drive off. You know, so, you know, you got to be careful because there are a lot of people out there who are trying to spread, you know, manipulated images, false narratives of images and videos and all of that. So I would need to see verified proof that police officers are sending in undercovers to stir up agitation. You know, you know, because believe it or not, not everything you see on the Internet is real. And there's a, and the technology of deep fakes um, has, well, it has gotten quite impressive. And that's going to be an issue that we're going to have to deal with going forward, how to deal with, you know, uh, deep fakes. You know, now, I don't know whether you have, you know, uh, you know something uh, that I haven't seen that, you know, proves that point. What I am saying here is that uh, what I have seen have been uh, manipulated or presented as a false narrative, um, you know, purporting to show something that it didn't show or purporting to show something at a protest uh, when the picture itself was actually taken, you know, somewhere else or at a protest from years ago. Um, you know, so we, we got to try and do a little more, you know, uh, fact-checking and find out how to deal with, you know, the issues of deep fakes. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, my take here on what's going on, you know, with the protest and the rioters and all of that is that, you know, the Democrats are celebrating the burning down and destruction of minority neighborhoods and doing so while positioning themselves as some civil rights leader. And then later on in 2022, they're going to come through campaigning through those same neighborhoods and try and say, look at all these burnt out buildings. You know, that's the result of capitalism and, you know, uh, and unjust uh, system that neglects them, uh, you know, of some sort. Okay, so other than the uh, protests and the rioters, there, um, let's see here, before I go on here, so from what I've gathered, uh, violent protests are never warranted, no matter the circumstances. Well, yeah, violent protests are not warranted you know um now as far as no matter what the circumstances um you know you might need a clarification because i know you might be going off and saying oh what about the revolution and we can you know you know uh, i guess talk about that at some point in time here but what are the violent protests you know for you know they're saying they want justice but the police officers have been fired arrested charged with murder and awaiting trial. You know, what are the violent protests trying to accomplish? You know, uh, you know, trying to get the officers handed over without a trial for public torture and execution. You know, it's an issue where violent, violent rioting, you know, burning things down never accomplishes anything. In fact, the only thing has done is distracted people from what happened to George Floyd and has ended all uh, debate over the best solutions to prevent another George Floyd incident from happening. See, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't seem to understand is that the violent protests are the violent, you know, um, rioting and basic acts of terrorism. You know, by and large, have the exact opposite effect of what those who support it claim they are doing it for. You know, because we had an issue with George Floyd in which everybody agreed. 
Everybody agreed what that officer did was wrong. Everybody agreed that those officers should be punished. Everybody agrees that we should be debating the, you know, our reforms to prevent such incidents from ever happening. So everybody already agreed on all of those points. And then the violent rioters came along, right? And while everybody still agrees on the same points, that conversation is being buried under the violence. So what's the point of violently rioting to try and, you know, demand something, you know, claiming that it's to demand something that everybody already agreed on and we're already trying to get the debate going on the best solutions? So, yeah, you don't need to violently riot to get people to come to the table on something they already agree on. You kind of get the uh, picture there. You kind of get the uh, point of that. You know? Well, no, I mean, we want to say isolated event. You know, uh, no, uh, this isn't an isolated event. You know, um, this is something that happens from, that has happened from time to time. Not nearly as often as what the media tries to report. You know, I'd say about maybe 90% of the incidences that the media has tried to report it, you know, as being police brutality were not actually police brutality. But, you know, again, this isn't isolated as, you know, things like this have happened. You know, maybe legitimately, you know, every few years, you know, and saying that one out of every, I don't know, I'm just going to pick a number here. One out of every 2000 police officers are bad. Well, yeah. So if you have, you know, 10,000 police officers, that means there's five, you know, there's likely five bad police officers. Each one of them doing something by definition would not be an isolated event. But it's not, you know, a widespread, you know, issue either. You know, it's a, it's an issue where, you know, by the fact that, you know, police officers are human, you're not going to get 100% perfection. But that just means, you know, that because of, you know, the position that the police officers are in, we should always be open to debating the best way to reduce bad police officers and reduce you know the you know the amount of events that could potentially happen you know it, it's you know, somebody uh, saying that it's staged uh, could you please clarify uh you know what you mean by it's staged right. but um you know going on here uh there's a nothing some uh, further things uh, that are going on besides the riots, you know, um, you know, that I'll get to. And if you clarify what you mean by it's staged, I'll come back to this, you know, and all that. But there was also uh, the hearings on Capitol Hill about Spygate. You know, of course, the Democrats who, you know, engaged in massive abuse of power um, to use government to target political opponents uh, don't want to have a conversation about that, you know? Why? Well, because they all supported it, and they were all complicit in it. You know, just like when they used the IRS to target, you know, their political opponents. You know, this time they used the FBI. And what's interesting is, I have sent, you know, the, you know, my senator, uh, Chuck Grassley, Joni Ernst, I have sent even to Ted Cruz, uh, to Lindsey Graham and all that damning evidence proving that the entire, you know, uh, claimed predication for why they opened the investigation was completely bogus. And I've talked about this on previous shows. See here. How did the Black Lives Matter movement start? <coughs> Um, is it finance? Well, as far as finance goes, I mean, it, when you got to, all right, so let me talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. I mean, I, I kind of get what they are, you know, stating here. Um, but 
the name Black Lives Matter, you know, versus All Lives Matter. And let me try and explain, you know, the issue I have with the name, right? Not necessarily, you know, the, you know, stated intentions. Is that when you predicate, you know, what lives matter by skin color or gender or whatever, you're continuing the left's, um, you know, system of, you know, oppression and tyranny. You know, because the, the, the left's system of oppression and tyranny is ranking or, or, you know, listing in order of whose lives matter in comparison to who, who matters more, who matters left, less. And when you come up with names like Black Lives Matter, you know, instead of All Lives Matter, it seems like you're just continuing that same system, but you're just trying to re-prioritize uh, uh, the, you know, ranking of whose lives are more or less important than others versus All Lives Matter equally. You know, so, I mean, maybe I'm just nitpicking on the name there, you know, just a little bit, but, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter stuff. And, you know, as far as the Black Lives Matter, um, it becomes kind of a, you know, a mix mash. Uh, some chapters, you know, not bad. Other chapters, you know, very, you know, very bad. I mean, it's one of those things where they have, you know, an umbrella name, but they are kind of disparate organizations spread throughout. And as far as financed, I mean, if they're like um, a 501c3, you know, organization, you know, or their chapter filed for 501c3 uh, status, it makes them a nonprofit organization for which people can donate money to. And if they do, um, then they get a tax break uh, like any other uh, 501c3 organization, you know. And so, you know, you got to kind of take in there. I mean, the part about saying that, hey, you know, um, you know, we disagree with police brutality. I agree with that. The part where they go off and make and try to act like it only happens to black people, I, I, I think they're you know, they're falling into a narrative um, that they haven't researched uh, very well. You know, they're just, you know, just being fed a narrative. And so I kind of have a mixed uh, baggage or mixed feelings uh, about Black Lives Matter. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you got to look at the actions of, you know, each specific chapter, which I get it. It gets kind of hard uh, to do. All right, but in any event, uh, getting back uh, to the spy game, you know, uh, all right, all right, all right, all right, someone going, sorry uh, for not moving on to the next topic with you. So um, I want to pull this up uh, here, you know, getting back uh, to the Spygate conversation. You know, as I stated, you know, there is damning evidence, you know, and that I have been able to uncover um, that... Um, proves that the predication for opening the investigation uh, was completely bogus. And I've sent that uh, to my senators. I've sent that, you know, uh, to, you know, to Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, and all of that. And uh, none of them ever, you know, go off and talk about it. And we know that the spying on the Trump campaign and all of that was completely bogus. Right? We know there was abuse of power, and the Democrats are desperate to avoid um, everything coming to light about what they did. And all of the declassifications that have happened, proving that this was uh, a targeted witch hunt with no predication, a complete and total abuse of power, has been devastating. You know, and it's nothing new for the Democrats, you know, to abuse power to target political opponents. You know, and this was brought up, you know, um, as an issue again during the, you know, judiciary hearings yesterday with Rod Rosenstein in which, you know, he, this is an issue, um, that I have where he signed the documentations. He signed, you know, a lot of things, uh, the, the approval for a lot of things that were happening. And then he tries to go off and, 
you know, state, well, he wasn't aware of this. He wasn't aware of that. He was, it's like he, it's either he's, you know, lying or he didn't actually bother asking a single question before signing off anything. He's just like, well, you know, they said this, so I just took them at their word. You know, what kind of check and balance is that? You know, um, let's see here. Let me bring this up because I know someone's going to ask, well, can you show me, you know, your evidence or proof? Uh, Let's see here. Okay, so one of the things uh, that was brought up in there was this issue that part of the predication was George Papadopoulos, that George Papadopoulos went overseas, and he talked about um, how Russia had Clinton's emails and would use it to damage her during the, um, you know, during the election, and that you know because of this, you know, it seemed like he had advanced inside information. Okay, okay, so. Let's go through and, you know, debunk this, um, you know, this as predication. You know, so how do I want to say this? So there's been a little bit of back and forth, you know, uh, about the, you know, so-called witness, you know, Alexander Downer, you know, and whether or not he mentioned emails, not mentioned emails. You know what? It doesn't matter. And yes, we got, you know, it turns out there's a lot of, audio recordings, you know, uh, proving the exact opposite. But in any event, him talking about, let's say it was true, that he was overseas, he was talking about, you know, Russia had Clinton's emails and would use it to embarrass her or undermine her candidacy as president. Even if he did say that, it doesn't matter. Why? Because that... That trip was in April of 2016. Why does that matter? Because it was already public. It was already what everybody was saying publicly. At that point, people had already been writing for 18 months how Russia, China, North Korea, even Germany, you know, the media was reporting as having hacked Hillary Clinton's email. Right? I mean, this was, you know, daily reporting by this point. Not only that, but, which, by the way, we don't know if it was actually Russia who released the emails. When you have, what, four, five different people, probably a half a dozen countries, all of whom hacked her emails, we don't know out of everybody who hacked her emails, which one of them actually released it. You know, just want to point that out, uh, just for one moment. But, the idea that Russia had Clinton's emails and then would use it to undermine her candidacy was already so widely part of the conversation that Forbes magazine, Forbes.com, had already said the exact same thing two months before Papadopoulos went overseas. So let me get this straight. Papadopoulos saying something that everybody was already saying was sign that he had some advanced inside knowledge warranting an investigation. That's just like saying if you repeat anything that you read or watch in the news around the water cooler, that that somehow becomes a predicate for an investigation for you having some sort of inside intimate knowledge just because you regurgitated what the media was already saying. Now, some of you are going, oh, well, where's your proof on this? Well, You know what? My proof is Forbes. Look at this. If you go back and take a look at when Papadopoulos went overseas and made that uh, statement, it was in April of 2016. Here, Forbes, February of 2016, two months earlier. What if Vladimir Putin has Clinton's emails? Okay, what if he did? Well, let's kind of scroll down here a little bit. Ah, stupid pop-up commercial. You know, uh, all right, let me just get rid of that. No, 
Let me... Ah, dang it. I hate it when it does this. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you can go through here and uh, read this himself, but, you know, consider Vladimir Putin with a full inventory of Clinton's emails, KGB uh, training, uh, you know, running an agent, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we come down uh, to here, you know, uh, different ways in which he could use those emails. You know, and they go, well, if he preferred Hillary's uh, Republican opponent in the general election, he could release enough incriminating information that could not be traced back to the Kremlin, of course, to scuttle her candidacy. And for those who believe Putin would not dare interfere with the U.S. election, consider, you know, strange flirting, you know, yada, yada, yada. So two months before Papadopoulos even made that trip, Forbes magazine, Forbes.com, already wrote a piece saying the exact same thing. So how does repeating that two months later provide predication for opening up an investigation? Can can you explain that to me? Uh, uh, Let's see here. America is making enemies everywhere. uh, Well, I mean, we... A lot of people, there's a lot of other countries that are jealous. And, you know, as far as enemies, the fact that, you know, we don't, I mean, we could kind of, you know, debate enemies versus rivals versus, you know, you know, and all of that. But, you know, the fact that, you know, they, that this article said something that, that Papadopoulos repeated months later provides predication for the FBI to open up an investigation into Trump, you know, the, you know, under the Obama administration who, yeah, I mean, it was just, they just made up a bunch of BS in order to try and justify using the government to spy on political opponents and target them. And then use, and then have that morph and escalate into directly punishing anybody who would dare you know, uh, run against the Democrats. You know, we've seen what happened uh, with General Flynn, all of the corruption and abuse of power there. And how, you know, they, you know, and how what they presented before the court was a farce, a lie. You know, I mean, at this point, you know, the Democrats have lied so often, you know, in the course of the whole, you know, Russia collusion, you know, that they they even went through and falsified evidence and manufactured fake evidence in order to justify their narrative and spying and, you know, attempts at criminally prosecuting people for the crime of opposing the Democrats in the election. You know, China, North Korea, not potential enemies uh, for war. China... Yeah, you know, as far as war, then that's more of an economic uh, rival uh, than it is, you know, for you know war or military. Uh, North Korea, uh, um, it's North Korea. I get why China kind of backs North Korea in order to you know, have a buffer zone, uh, you know, between them and a democratic country such as South Korea. You know, uh, but as far as it goes, I mean, you can look at every country in the world and they do have, you know, enemies. I mean, if you actually go through, and this is what's crazy, some of our allies are enemies with each other. I mean, you do understand that, right? That... We have allies, you know, ally A, ally B, who were allied with both of them, but ally A and B are enemies with each other. And you understand, you know, how crazy that is. I mean, that's, you know, kind of a disparate, uh, you know, issue. I mean, if you play the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, we're allies and enemies in one way, shape, or form with just about everybody, Right. The people we're allied with on one issue were enemies and opposition to on another issue. 
I mean, and this may be one of the s- strange things uh, where I'll agree with something that uh, was said on the Daily Show. But when you take a look at our alliances um, and all of that, it seems like you know the United States is running a proxy war against ourselves in some instances. You know, um, you know, um, I mean, we can go through and we can you know have a conversation about China and all that on another show. Um, that's not necessarily. Uh, what I came on here uh, to talk about, I wanted to talk about uh, the riots and Spygate. Um, you know, and I know I've, you know, in answering questions and all that, I've gone a little bit off of, you know, a topic here, you know, and we can go through and, uh, you know, have these conversations. Uh, it's just not conversations I'd come up, um, you know, uh, into this show with. Right, but when we go through and we take a look at, you know, what had happened. I mean, it, it's with Spygate. I we've already proven that the predication for opening the investigation was bogus. That the information that the Democrats used, you know, and uh, the Steele dossier came from Russian disinformation specialists. So they were using Russian disinformation in order to justify investigating Trump at, you know, for somehow colluding with the Russians that they never found any evidence for. You know, so, it, so when it comes down to it, not only were the Democrats abusing power and using government to target political opponents, But all the evidence actually shows that it was the Democrats who were, whether knowingly or as useful idiots, colluding with the Russians to undermine the election. That's that's the irony of it all, is that the Democrats consistently become the ones who are guilty of the very crimes and actions that they try to accuse their uh, Republican opponents of. And the media who pushed a false narrative without evidence for years is suddenly disinterested when the, when evidence of such actions do come to light, but turns out to be the opposite political party who did it, you know, turned out to be the Democrats. All of a sudden the Democrats uh, or the media have zero interest in it. No, no, no. We, you know, we don't care what the evidence actually said because now it's against the Democrat. We don't care that the Democrats Alter document in order to, you know, manufacture evidence. No, no, no. That doesn't matter. You know, we were, you know, we only wanted to report it against Trump, even though there was no evidence of it, because in the reality, the media are not journalists. There isn't a single journalist at CNN, at NBC, at MSNBC, or ABC, or any of that. They're nothing more than the marketing wing of the Democrat Party. They're political hacks. They're political activists. They're not there to tell you the story. They're there to tell you a story. You know, you know just like fictional writers. I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't, you know, read a Harry Potter book and think it was a historical uh, record, would you? No. But the what the media wants to do is write a fictional story like Harry Potter, but tell you that somehow that that is a real historically accurate event. Because in the end, when you take a look at history over how democracies are overthrown and replaced by brutal dictatorships, it's always been with the help of the media an arrogant media that believed they were the true power behind the power. That because they controlled the information, they controlled the minds. And after they overthrew, helped uh, overthrow democracy and install a brutal tyrant, that brutal tyrant immediately consolidated power and got rid of all of the uh, journalists and media uh, personalities and threw them in prison, hung them, killed them, whatever, and then replaced them with people he would easily control. Because, you know, they, because that brutal dictator already knew how dangerous the media would be to their power. So the first thing to do is get rid of them in one fell swoop. 
And the media in those countries are always surprised when the brutal dictator that they helped, you know, get into power turns on them. You know, so in any event, where are we at here for time? Okay, okay, so we're at uh, probably about an hour here. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, you know, end the show right here. Thank you so much uh, for your time and attention and tuning in here. You know, I'm enjoying uh, the chat here. I've, I've really been enjoying, you know, uh, Restream.io's uh, plugin for OBS and how it consolidates uh, the chats from uh, Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, and the likes and consolidates that all into one chat stream uh, for me to be able to see. Really like that. All right. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in, and I will be back again soon.